This is More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is made up of more than your job title. Each week, I'll talk to a guest about how they discovered that for themselves. You'll hear about what they did, what they're doing, and who they are. I'm your host, Rabia. I work in IT, perform stand-up comedy, write, volunteer, and, of course, podcast. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Hey, everyone. So I have two guests on this episode, I think, for the first time. So I have James Cameron and Joe James from True Strays. They're a band that I heard about living over here in the UK. They're out of Bristol. And so thanks for being on More Than Work, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. And do you want to introduce yourself so everyone can know which voice is whose? Hi, yes. Hi, I'm Joe James. I play bass and sing in True Strays. And I'm James Cameron. And I sing and play guitar and both write songs. Awesome. Well, and where am I talking to you guys from right now? Where are you at? We're in Bristol in James's front room of his home. Nice, nice. And you guys have been touring lately, so I'm pretty busy. So how's the tour going? It's it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's, yeah, as I kept saying to you on uh, messaging, I just get so tired. I can't organize anything. So, <laughs> but yeah, we've done... Um, Six or seven dates now with Rob Heron and the T-Pad Orchestra supporting them on their album tour for their new album. And it's been just been really fun hanging out with those guys. And um, where have we played? London, Leeds, Darlington, Sheffield, Andover. And then we're playing Stroud with them tomorrow. So it's quite a nice stress-free way to tour supporting someone else. It feels, <laughs> yeah, it feels good. <laughs> Yeah, you're not responsible for everything, including, I guess, ticket sales and stuff like that, too. So Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, there's not really any money in it, but you kind of can relax and just, anything's a bonus, really. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. And I guess, first of all, just starting out with um, you guys, and you guys were going to tour, and you were getting your album together before the pandemic, right? And then basically had to kind of stop things and pivot. So you want to talk a little bit about how that went? Yeah. Yeah. As you said, we were halfway through recording our debut album before 2020 came and scuppered a lot of people's plans, us included. After deliberating how we're going to carry on and complete this album, we decided with fear to uh, start a Kickstarter campaign, a crowdfunder and ask our fans if they could help chip in to, um, complete the album and we started off thinking we'll try and raise around four thousand pounds that might get us a little further down the line of the recording and when we started the crowdfunder we had 30 days to raise that money and i think on day three we had raised four thousand pounds and then by the end of the campaign our wonderful fan base had chipped in nearly ten thousand pounds for us to complete the album which was absolutely mind-blowing and we finished it and it's out yeah, well, and that's amazing just to get all that support. And I think that was at a time where we didn't know how long things were going to last with the whole pandemic and people were kind of stuck at home. But also all artists were kind of put on hold at some point too. So before that, how long had you guys had the band together, this band? Uh, well, we kind of started hatching plans towards the end or well, the summer of 2016, I think. And then um, we kind of launched the band officially with... Our first release in April 2017. Yeah, we were kind of 
nearly three years in, just over three years into uh, into the project, and kind of coming out of a series of other projects that me and Joe worked on together, we were very keen to kind of um, make up for lost time and really be focused and work hard. So, um, yeah, the pandemic was a, a unique cha- challenge for us and a lot of people. But one, I think that probably probably gave us more clarity about how we wanted to work and have more focused periods of gigging. And also, yeah, it enabled us to really reach out to a community that we didn't fully recognize was there. So that also has given us a good foundation to move forward from as well. It is amazing that your fans stepped up the way they did to really enable you to do the next thing. It shows they, they wanted it to come out. And before you guys really got into music full-time, 100%, what you're doing now, I believe, right? You're both full-time on this. Not full-time, but... We're also kind of full time on working jobs as well, so really we're double time. Double time, yeah. It doesn't really feel like you're putting half the energy into either. You know, you're putting 100 percent into both sides of our lives or those two parts of our lives. So we do work jobs aside from the music as well. So it's not entirely true to say we're full time musicians because that's not where all our income comes from. But energy wise, it feels like 200 percent goes into uh, everything we do in our life at the minute. Which is fine because we enjoy making the music. <laughs> so, uh, but it's yeah. fine. <laughs> Sometimes it feels hard, though. Yeah, balancing a work life and um, a passion project. The rewards come in different shapes and sizes, such as the crowdfunder that kind of we didn't realize that reward was going to be so rewarding to us. As like as James said, we didn't realize that community was there. So you get your rewards through your passion projects in ways you don't really expect. Um, which is nice, even if it's not monetary. Right. What are your day jobs that you guys are doing? Myself, I, I'm doing roofing. I've got into building and roofing with some friends of mine when I was looking for a job about four years ago. And I've been learning that craft, I guess, for the last four years now. So, yeah, that's my midweek work. Work three or four days a week as a primary school teacher, just a couple miles from my house. Teach in year two, so they're six and seven. Yeah, I think both our jobs are draining in different ways. Yeah, the band, sometimes some of those longer drives can be quite hard, but then half an hour or hour on stage makes it all worth it to uh, connect and uh, sing your songs. And do you find that, I don't know, I know with my, because I you know, do stand-up comedy, but then I have my day job and I'm nowhere near right now like going, doing comedy more than doing the day job. But mm. sometimes I find that knowing I have a gig to look forward to helps me kind of deal with things at work, you know, that yeah. I maybe five years ago or something I couldn't deal with as well just because that was all I had to do. Are you guys, do you have any like way where even though you're working hard and basically working 200%, do you find that having the pursuit of your actual passion and your passion project of True Strays helps you with managing, just dealing with the day job? I think it definitely does. I think we both enjoy our day jobs you know, at times, and to some extent, <laughs> like anything, you, you have your moments of joy and your moments of hard hardship. But yeah, definitely was I'm out roofing and sometimes it's a cold week and you're out in the rain and the wind. And I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing up here? Should be out there playing music. That's what I love to do. But then that drives you, like you say, you know, on a Friday or a Saturday, you're going to load up the van. And even at that point, sometimes that can feel like a slog. But once you get on that stage and you're in, in the moment of a gig and playing, 
certainly does make it worthwhile. So yeah, it, it does drive the working week, knowing that you're going out to do something you love and care about at the end of the week, for sure. Mm. What it does for me. Yeah, I feel the same. It's when I'm at work on a Monday, I'm kind of like on my lunch break, you know, keeping things moving, checking my emails, scheming out next kind of creative ideas or yeah, no, it's really nice to have that escape from work. And it's, it's a nice balance to have one, which is like working with humans and trying to give and help and serve them and give a lot of yourself to that job. So that's quite draining. And then, yeah, being a musician is kind of a different part of the brain. So it's, they can complement each other really well, but when, when I've got my schedules wrong, they're, they're not great friends, late nights and early mornings, so to speak. But yeah, I really look forward to the weekend. It feels like I'm earning that right to go and stand on the stage and sing my songs. I feel like I've done, done my hard shift and I can go and be creative. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a funny thing. And I mean, you guys are doing it on such a bigger scale, but I just think even the statement that, you know, maybe it could even feel difficult just getting to the stage. But then once you're on there, it's a lot different. I, I go through this a similar thing where sometimes I'm like, oh, I have to put on makeup and then I have to leave the house, get on the, t- you know, do all that stuff. But then all of a sudden you're in the middle of things. And it's like, oh, this is why I'm doing it because I feel this way about it. And Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the... Uh... It's probably a mindset that a lot of creative people share if you perform live, you know. Like you say, just getting to that point where you get to do the thing you actually want to be doing. And to you, in exactly on that point, it can sometimes all feel a bit a bit slow and heavy to get there. Yeah, and I think that's quite often not really discussed is like the, uh, the mental barriers you face just to get on the stage or to put a song on Spotify or to record, you know, to do a joke on stage or something on youtube like there's a lot of uh, a lot of pr- internal process you have to go through to get to that point to find your voice and the confidence to share share that thing in the wider world and you know i grew up pretty shy and uh, yeah it's been not, it's not easy sometimes but the more you do it the easier it gets it's definitely helped me become a more confident and uh, rounded individual i think cool and one thing i found interesting when I was able to discover you for myself and see you guys was just the genre of music, the Americana music. Cause I, as, as an American, I didn't realize that that was kind of even a thing over here. You know, the, the exports from the UK that I heard were definitely a different genre. And so how did you get into this style of music and is it something you've always played or did you kind of end up here after a while? Well, I think growing up, both me and James, we, kind of grew up on similar music through our parents and through what they were listening to, through classic rock, rock and roll, a bit of soul. And then as we became young adults, through going through different bands through our teenage years, we both ended up in a band with another guy called Sam Green. And he was a big blues and folk guitarist, singer-songwriter. So as we joined his band, I think we learned a lot of our blues and Americana kind of sound through performing with that band for five, six years and the influences that we learned through the songs that we played with him and the bands that we then started to listen to, the American bands and the British bands. And then through that, we kind of evolved into 
just that's what that's kind of the songs we wrote. I mean, James was getting into playing bottleneck slide guitar. And once you pick that up, that's obviously a, a direct transition straight back to the blues scene of uh, the Southern America. And yeah, I think it's just a sound that we both enjoy. I think the songwriting side of it and the sound that, as we say, Americana bands, like Credence, Credence Clearwater Revival, Neil Young, or more modern acts like Nathaniel Waitliff and the Night Sweats, the sound that these these bands created just obviously resonates with us, which I'm very happy about. So it's nice to be able to play that music as well as enjoy listening to it. Yeah, for sure. And I enjoy a, a lot of your songs that, like, just the messaging around them too. And um, are the lyrics something, because you seem to write about personal things, but also you, you have issue-related songs. Like, This Is An Emergency is, you know, I think pretty clearly about climate change, if, unless I misinterpreted the whole song. <laughs> Um, no, they got that right, yeah. And so I, what I, one thing I noticed is, though there are a few bands that are writing songs about issues and stuff, a lot of people stay away from that still, and it, mm-hmm. which is interesting just because the protest songs have always been part of the culture, at least in the U.S., and I don't know as much about here, but I feel like there aren't that many, and so that particularly was interesting to me, but then also like the more personal songs. How do you go about writing s- songs and, and lyrics? I mean, This Is Emergency is a song that I, that I wrote about, yeah, about the climate crisis through a kind of personal experience, you know, restless personal experience swimming in, in the sea out on, off the coast of Ecuador. I think for me, it's like, I feel the personal stuff's important, but then I feel a lot of Americana just sticks to safe subjects like alcohol, romance, motorbikes, the devil, you know, and I just feel like a lot of those subjects have been talked about enough. And what's important to me is is to discuss my fear around climate breakdown and and the lack of inaction, um, both in England and, you know, internationally. So, yeah, it's like, for me, I try and voice that, that passion that I have for the environment and, and the future of our planet through through song. And there's normally, I try and have a song like that for each batch of songs that's kind of focused on something environmental or something political or social. And we've both written songs of those, both personal and stuff like that. What do you think, Joe? Lyrics to songs, yeah, they come out in different ways. Sometimes lyrics, I find they just appear and haven't really put any thought into what I wanted to write down or sing and the emotion just kind of comes through in that moment. Other times, yeah, as James says, you try and craft something with a specific message, but it's nice to have a a wide range of topics, especially when you're kind of putting down an album. You don't want every song to be a love song or every song Mm -hmm. to be a, a party song. You know, it's nice to have different subject matter, but yeah, as going back to your question about songwriting and lyrics, it just comes out in different ways. There's no one way which a song seems to form or occur. Mm. I, th- I think for me, it's just like sometimes with like those, um, some of those like social justice issues or, you know, with, with This Is An Emergency, it's a song that I feel really passionate about singing. But when it comes to try and say something about it before I sing it, I find that really difficult because I don't know, you know, I think the best I've ever said is just like, oh, this is a song about grief and, and the climate crisis. You know, that was just quite short and sweet. But I always question whether 
it's necessary to explain or whether you're just going to alienate people by harping on about the need for everyone to do something or you know so yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting area to step into with into how how you step into that fear about talking about something you care about in front of a crowd who don't know who we are yeah <laughs> don't they? i think that on a live so it's, it's one thing having the song on a record and people can listen to it as and when they wish but when you're live in a room full of people you have such a broad width of political ideas in people and what they believe and what they stand for you know you're kind of all there for one reason at a gig because you want to see a band and enjoy some music but beyond that you don't really know the thought process behind people what they stand and believe in so I often find when we've done political or songs that aren't your love songs and whatnot they can get a mixed response live yeah. you know if you mention something you might think is just the broad idea there's a lot of people out there who don't agree with you and then um, sometimes you feel that in an audience if you mention do you remember that gig we played up north yeah and Joe's written this song called Feed the Belly and he just made a very general intro to the song. Like, this is a song about politicians not really fixing problems, just exacerbating them and not really doing anything about the root causes. And I was like, yeah, Joe, I'm so proud of you for saying that. And then just, we got heckled real bad, didn't we? Yeah, the room went silent. <laughs> Don't mention politics and hardly cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> Someone's just like, oh, here we fucking go. Yeah. And we were just, I remember feeling really scared about that potential, you know, ramifications of someone. It's just very interesting how fragile you're. Yeah, that gig had been going really well up to that point. It was about halfway through. It was like, right, yeah, this is going good. The crowd are enjoying us. We're enjoying them. Okay, let's drop something a bit more uh, gritty in there. It is an interesting thing because even. Like with comedy, I don't do much political humor over here just because it's not, I, I haven't felt like it's my place. Although now I've caught on, so it's a little easier for me to do. I mean, this week's been really easy because you just talk about, you know, who's the next chancellor or am I going to be the next chancellor or something? <laughs> 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 you know, they made it too easy even for anyone to do it. But, but yeah, I mean, you can really, you can, you can just alienate a crowd and then you lose them. And then it's, it's really tough. And I imagine with music too, it's just like, I guess you can play over their booze at some point, but like, yeah, that has to be hard. Yeah, we um, we've been touring with a friends band last year called Holy Moly and the Crackers. Speaking to them about a similar topic, to what we're talking about politics and subject matter and songs. His his process when he goes to gigs, he's like, right, it's Friday night or whatever night of the week. Everyone's here just to have fun. Don't rock the boat. Let's just all get in this together. And no matter what's happened during the week, so you know that's his. His mindset is that, you know, we're all in this room together. Let's have fun and not mm. not think about too much about the problems we've had all week. And I kind of like that idea. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's, it's amazing, like, not always touring England at the moment. And, you know, whilst the whole time under austerity, it's we're seeing towns literally falling apart. And, and we go into these places with a lot of kind of pretty downbeat people and as Joe just said sometimes like last night sometimes it's just nice to make people feel good and connect with each other you get them talking you get them singing and maybe that's the biggest most important thing that we need to be doing right now is bringing people together and getting them laughing and having a good time and singing so it's a hard balance to strike I think yeah and ultimately you want people to they're coming to see your music right they're not coming to hear you speak necessarily though i i don't know it's hard because it is important you say 
certain things, but then also, yeah, you have to recognize what they're there for. And you guys definitely, I mean, just experiencing you live, you're great performers and there's a real camaraderie between you on stage. And do you think a lot of that just has to do with how long you guys have known each other? Or do you, I guess, do you just like when you practice, do you work at that performance part too? Or is that something you just develop on, on stage? I think that's, it's just happened. That's how it is. I think like you say, cause we've known each other from the ages of five or so we've, I, you know, I didn't really even notice the bonds that there's between us until people started pointing out, Oh, you guys have such a, away on stage together and this, that. And it's like, oh, yeah, we do. And it's just second nature. So it's not something that we've crafted out really at all. I think it just comes from a place of pure enjoyment when we're on the stage with your friend playing your music. It just feels great. And I think obviously that comes through us and the audience can feel that. Or you certainly seem like you saw something that represents that. And that's that's great. So, no, it's not something we've crafted. It's just, I think, just a natural way of how it's been knowing each other so long and doing something you love together in that moment. Well, it's great. And it's really, it's just cool to see. Do you know, do you remember when the, it was that you first started each of you writing songs? I mean, a lot of people play music and they never might write a song, right? They just play other people's music. So mm. do you know how you got started doing that? Or do you remember? Well, I think I wrote my first song when I was about 13 and I'd been playing the guitar a couple of years. And I think, um, I was a pretty emotional teenager. I used to uh, eat lots of cookies when I came home from school and sulk in my room. <laughs> and uh, I think, yeah, writing became a bit of an outlet for, uh, you know, my sensitivities, uh, which I wasn't very good at expressing. But then it was something I kind of kept to myself. And it was only really when me and Joe started this band, it was like, oh, okay, I need to have the courage to share my songs now. And I hope Joe likes this one and this one could work. And so, yeah, that's kind of my journey with it. What about you, Joe? Yeah, um, around 11 or 12, I had an acoustic that used to belong to my mum, I believe. It was in the house that I used to strum on and started writing songs about girls from school. And the same thing, they were just songs you wrote, maybe in a pad, and then nothing came of them. I guess it's just a way of expressing those teenage emotions. But actual crafting and thinking about songs more seriously came in kind of in the 20s late teens, early 20s for myself. Yeah, was always writing, but always not sharing or didn't have an outlet for it at that point. But then, yeah, once we got to the late 20s and was playing in this band and the band previously that me and James were in, I started to feel like the songs I was writing were actually okay and maybe they could stand up for themselves on a stage and with a band. and started to slowly push them to the forefront. And then, yeah, Thankfully, the guys in the bands and James is enjoying those songs. And so now it becomes more of a, a natural thing just to write songs and present them with James to each other. Um, yeah, it feels it feels good. And we write songs together as well. Some songs we bring that are kind of 80% already formed on our own and we'll bring them to each other to finish off. Some songs we'll sit in a room together and start on a riff and a lyric idea and hash it out for a few hours and see what comes out. So, yeah, it's nice. Nice to have different different approaches to um, creating songs. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think about the vulnerability around just you writing the songs and, and playing them for some reason, just because I almost thought of you guys like in a band, so I just feel like there's 
several people taking the brunt of that in a way, but yeah, they are the songs you write. And so I don't know, it's interesting to think about it in those those terms with songwriting versus other things like see someone read a poem on stage or something, you know. So huh. Yeah, it's kinda of, it's weird when you write something that you really like, but then you're a bit because you really like it, it's kind of yeah, it's quite special and personal. It is then yeah, it's kind of um a bit scary to then share it with with your best mate and someone who you you know you hope the song will be good enough you know so it is a process of like but i think it's one that we're really getting good at now after a couple of years and got an album under our belt and the new batches of songs we're writing it's we're both more kind of clear on what we're writing and how to collaborate and it's a lot quicker and a lot easier and a lot more yeah efficient and fun so yeah it's just you've just got to stick out really it's not not easy but you can get 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 there you know and i think that's the beauty of i'm the kind of person if i wasn't working with joe like i wouldn't really finish any of my songs i wouldn't really put them out there need that like collaboration and that team goal to motivate me so yeah how is it in the the comedy world do you ever because that's quite a solo endeavor isn't it really i mean you don't have a, a partner or someone you throw jokes around with and come up with something or is it always just on your own mm. well so for me i i thought it was supposed to be on my own so i spent the first two and a half i mean i've only been going for a little around three years so not very long but um i thought it was alone i thought i was supposed to do it all alone and be alone in it and it was it's a very isolating thing and i do have someone now who's it just it's a really special relationship because they are looking at my stuff and talking to me about what i'm doing on stage and kind of the structure of jokes and I can go to him with that. And then, you know, we don't talk much about his material just cause I think he's pretty advanced from me, but we mm. could, um, but he has people he talks to. And then I've, I've, as this has happened now, this kind of relationship is formed. I've learned from other people, how many people do collaborate. And so, yeah, it's very interesting once you start talking to people and, and, and they start telling you about that. So, yeah, I thought it was a solo thing, but I think almost similar probably to what you guys are saying, but when you introduce it to someone else, then there's a way to collaborate on it. Even though I'm the one telling the jokes on stage and someone might give me my best line and if I that hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it'll happen one day and I'll be like, oh, I didn't write that, but I guess I'm going to say it, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we play other people's songs every now and then and, you know, it's, I think that's great. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? You know, as long as you're not taking someone else's work for your own as long as you're honest about it when you need to be. I think it's great to play other people's songs or for you to say other people's material in the right moment. I think it, there's nothing wrong with that really, is there? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like your material and then they're adding to it and helping you make it better. Yeah. It's, you know, if you go up and do someone's whole routine and pretend it's your own, that's a problem. Yeah, that's but. a bit different, yeah. <laughs> but I think there is, that, there is that myth, isn't there, about the idea of you have to do it on your own, whether, you know, in life and it's like really... All that, you know, you see all the biggest pop stars or film stars or whatever, like everything they do is a massive collaborative effort, you know. Mm-hmm. You look at what well, I was looking at a song we cover, uh, a song co- called Juice by Lizzo, and there was like seven songwriters on that song when I yeah. read it, you know. So I think it's brilliant. I think it's, yeah, it's great. I think maybe as a young person, I thought I had to do everything myself, you know. 
But the reality of the world is that everyone's collaborating on everything all the time. There might be one name on the poster or on the tin or on the video, but predominantly... A whole bunch of people behind it. Massive teams for these superstars. Massive teams. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. No, I agree. So, yeah, it's it's cool to talk about it with you guys and hear about how it happens in music and even to be able to share it too. Um, so for you guys, just thinking ahead, maybe of your goals or just what's coming up, what what could people look forward to coming from True Strays? Yeah, so we've got um, our headline tour next April and May. So we've got a run of dates up in the UK. Yeah, it's a headline tour with the full band and a couple of new songs out next year. And then back on the old festivals and hopefully a few more European adventures. All right, cool. Well, hopefully you guys come to London. That that would be great to see see you back here. So just really quick, one question that I like to ask everybody. Do you have any advice or mantra you'd like to share? Um, well, I think the thing I've been working on myself is to always try and be honest, number one, to yourself, and how I'm feeling about situations. and Maybe that comes through my songwriting and then into the wider wider world and the life around me. But yeah, be honest to yourself, be honest to those around you. It makes things a lot easier than fishing out through some lies later on or dishonest uh, opinions. So yeah, just be honest to yourself, be honest to those around you, and things are a bit easier. No, that's, I mean, that's really, really good advice. Yeah, it's easier to remember what you said when you were just honest anyway. <laughs> that's true, yeah. yeah. Remembering lies is hard work. Yeah, my one was, I think my dream all along, I thought to be a successful musician, I needed to have a record deal or have certain magazines writing about my music. And I'd spend hours and hours emailing record companies and emailing magazines. You know, really, I was just trying to chase validation from the outside world. And I think really that time would have been better spent on myself and my musicianship. So I think always focus on yourself and growing your musical caliber you know put time and energy into growing your your voice and your musicianship and don't waste too much time on uh what's outside that's the lyric of joe's but yeah don't waste too much time trying to impress the people on the outside um as soon as you've got your game down and you know who you are and what you want to do and you practice and practice and perfect it like things will come your way so yeah invest your time in what improves you and makes you a better musician and a better person Hmm. I know when I, I, I already know when I go to edit this later, like I'm going to sit there and reflect on that one uh, for sure afterwards. So that's, that's great guys. Thank you. Thank you both. The last set of question I have is the fun five. So it's just five questions I like to ask each uh, guest. So first one, what's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? I think I have an old Tottenham Hotspur football shirt, which I bought maybe when I was 14. And I can still get into it. So some match days, I will put on that shirt slightly tighter than it used to be. And I'm now 36, so do the math on that one to how long, how long I've had that shirt. But yeah, an old Tottenham Hotspur football club shirt that I still have and I still every now and then wear. That's amazing. Mm. Well, that's reminding me. I have, on the sporting topic, I have a hoodie from, I once was in this rugby academy. Um, so I've got this like England rugby academy under 17s hoodie that an ex-girlfriend was clearing out her mum's house a couple of years ago and found it in, in a box and returned it. 
and now now my fiance wears it all the time so that's probably the oldest bit that i've got oh wow that's that's really cool it's like gone kind of full circle too it's yeah, yeah. great <laughs> um so this question came more out of the pandemic but it was if every day is really like was really Groundhog's Day. So like in the film with Bill Murray, where the same song played every morning for him, what song would you set your alarm clocks to play every morning? Thinking about this, the first song that came to my head was Serve the Servants by Nirvana. That opening riff. Oh. I think I would like to hear that song every day. I'm sure whatever song you put, if it was Groundhog Day, you'd hate it after a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start with one I love a lot. So that way, maybe it'll take me a lot longer to start hating. Mm. So Serve the Servants by Nirvana, I'd hear that every day, happily. Yeah, nice. The one that's going to mind for me, I think, because Joe shared it on a, a group WhatsApp recently, is that Marvin Gaye tune, Move On Up, where he's got those trousers, that, that photo of him, so iconic. The extended version, like the eight, nine-minute version, so I could just lie in bed as long as possible. Nice. <laughs> nice, yeah, plan for the lion. That's a, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, coffee or tea or neither? Definitely coffee. Yeah, me too. Coffee. We're big coffee fiends in True Strays. Yeah, three, four cups a day at least. Nice. Cool. And then can you think of something that just cracks you up, like that makes you laugh so hard you cry or just always gets you every time you think of it? It's This is just a fun one for me uh, because I like laughing and making people laugh. Mm, good one. Kind of. Something more in my family. Um, my family like to fish. And there's a picture of my brother holding a big fish that's up on a wall and it's been circulating on social media accounts and uh, certain weddings it will come up and people tell my brother oh it's a great fish you got there and he would always reply oh thanks thanks but little did anyone know that he never caught the fish but he was um, <laughs> acting as if he did I think just try I don't know why he did that but <laughs> when we're at home and that conversation comes up around the, the family table we tend to all break out laughing uh, so that's one that, yeah, that comes to mind. <laughs> a family joke. You know, there's family in jokes that I'm sure we all have. That yeah. one always comes up at the table. and it's, it's good. It bonds us. Those are the best, and especially the sibling ones. Oh, My yes. brother and sister and I would just... I mean, we got in trouble. Like, we got sent away from the table for laughing sometimes. Just so good on you. That's the way to be. <laughs> yeah, actually, I remember as well. My family, were they, we grew up in the church, and... Um, singing the hymns my my dad's voice was blessing it, it was it was out of tune at best <laughs> and i remember me and my my sister and my brother yeah just absolutely creasing up you know when you're in a quiet a quiet spiritual place it just makes you want to laugh harder doesn't it you can't control it so that's another one another family one again but being in a quiet spiritual place and trying not to laugh just makes you laugh harder at your dad's bad singing <laughs> No, 100%. My grandma was had the worst, like, not worst maybe, but the highest pitch, like, weird things she would do. We went to church with her sometimes, my brother and I, in, in Missouri, like, in the middle of the country, right? We grew up in California. Yeah. And one time she was singing like that, and my brother was covering his mouth <laughs> trying not to laugh because she was getting mad, and then he made the loudest farting noise <laughs> ever. Love it. <laughs> and so my mom, my mom called my grandma to tell on us. And then my mom just started laughing too because she knows the voice, right? Because she heard yeah. it. And so, yeah, it was really, yeah, it was crazy. So anyway, well, this was a question for me, but I just relate so much to those. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so James, what about you? Uh, well, 
Yeah, I've, that brought back memories of a similar incident with my mum and her beautiful singing um, in a church as well. Um, <laughs> what, what great. Oh, yeah, I, I've literally, I had something to say, and then now all I can think about is this. It was like a 50th wedding. like It was in a Roman Catholic service as well, so it was very long and even more sombre. And uh, we didn't know any of the hymns because we'd never really been to Catholic church. And our friends were like, like, like 25 years, like reaffirming their wedding vows to each other. It was a really beautiful service, but my mum let, let rip vocally into one of the hymns. <laughs> Bless her. And she, you know, she can be a little bit, well, yeah, she's got a lovely voice, but also sometimes a little bit flat. I was literally like crying my eyes out and I had to literally leave the church. And everyone was looking at me like, who is this savage? That's awesome, guys. And the last one, who inspires you right now? I've been listening to Brené Brown's podcast on Spotify and just read one of her books. So I'm learning a lot from her and I find that very inspiring uh, to learn how to communicate and listen to people better. So Brené Brown. Awesome. Yeah, she's come up a lot on this podcast, actually. Amazing. Well, everything comes to my mind as I've got a wonderful girlfriend called Marta and she's a workaholic and what she does is she, she does artwork, illustration and she's working 24-7 and I see her just keeping on going and creating this great artwork and getting tired and coming on and look at her and think, I don't know how you do that. So I guess in some way she's inspiring me at the minute with her absolutely wonderful work ethic. Hmm. That's cool. Well, you guys, this has been a lot of fun. Um, the last question I have is just how do you want people to find you if they're interested in hearing your music or just learning more about you guys? Come knock on my front door. <laughs> <laughs> I live at. Um, we have a website, truestrays.com. And we're on all the usual places. If you want to be a legend, follow us on Spotify and join our mailing list on our website. That would be brilliant. Yeah. Come say hi. All right. Well, thanks, you guys. I Again, I really appreciate uh, this chat and you taking the time. So, um, How did you hear of our music, Rabia? So I went to Spiritual Bar, which is in Chalk Farm, New York, oh, yeah. and saw this. Yeah. So this woman, Anna Lou Cannon, performs there, and she's great. And I saw she was doing a show with you guys yeah. and so i just i was free that night so i i t uh listened to your album and loved it and i was like i gotta see these guys and then i was just kind of being weird and decided to talk to you at your show yeah uh, i remember yeah. meeting you there by the merch desk i remember having yeah. yeah that's amazing thank you for coming and um yeah and lou cannon she's astounding yeah she's brilliant what a voice yeah yeah so it was just cool and i think i was probably a little homesick and just i loved your music and wow. it was great so i'm glad to be one of your fans i'll make sure i'm subscribed if i'm not so yeah great thank you great chatting to you thanks for inviting us on thanks for listening you can learn more about the guest and what was talked about in the show notes joe mafia created the music you're listening to you can find him on spotify at joe m-a-f-f-i-a -F rob metke does all the design for which i am so grateful you can find him online by searching Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Please leave a review if you like the show and get in touch if you have feedback or guest ideas. The pod is on all the social channels at, at More Than Work Pod or at Robbie Comedy on TikTok and the website is morethanworkpod.com. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.